Hello and welcome to the Your Gym Big Sister podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this. How are we all doing this week? Hope we're all hope we're all amazing. I hope August has been off to a good start. August is of course the best month of the year because it's my birth month. Um, it's my birthday next week. So it's my birthday on the 9th. So if everybody wants to send me birthday wishes and flowers, you can do that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, I was, do you know what it is? I always get really excited for my birthday and then I don't do anything. And I, I, I just kind of let the day go by. I'm like, meh, whatever. Um, maybe, I don't know why that is. I used to, when I was younger, I used to love like making a big deal of it. Maybe I don't like aging. Although, do you know what it is? One thing I have noticed is like, when I was in my early 20s, I was terrified of getting older. Like I just, I hated the idea of it. And now the older I'm getting, the more I love it. Like I fall more and more in love with my life with every year that goes by. And now I'm like, oh, like this is great. Like this is how good my life is now. How good is my life going to be in 10 years if I keep on this kind of trajectory? You know, it's like, I'm just getting started. Um, so yeah, I think, and, and I always like talk to this, talk about this with other people who are like my, my age as well. It's like when we were younger, we all like thought, oh my God, if I'm 22, 23, 24, it's like so old. And now I'm going to be 27. And I'm like, meh, you know, who cares? Like, I'm almost 30. <laughs> okay, when I say that, I get a bit terrified. To be fair, my boyfriend's going to be 30 next year. So I feel like I'm fucking 30 by association. Um, But yeah, that's a bit of a ramble on aging. But it's all good. If you're younger and you're listening to this and you're also terrified of aging, I promise it's it's fine. It's fine. Just get loads of Botox and you will be absolutely a-okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, aside from that, it's been a pretty good week for me. I obviously had my first week back training last week after a deload, which was actually a really fucking frustrating week for me, um, which is funny because obviously I'm like, I was so battered by the end of the last training block. Like I couldn't wait to have a few days off and I really, really liked them. And it was nice to have a rest from the gym. But then when I went back into train afterwards, like all of my numbers were down, my strength was down. And it's so funny because like this always happens to me. If I take five days off of training, I always see a reduction in strength. And I know that this is normal. I know that this is because like my kind of nervous system, my neurological conditioning or patterning has just, it's just out of practice a little bit because I haven't lifted and like lifting is a skill and so I haven't been practicing that skill for a few days so it's always typical that my numbers are down but I think I was just really really frustrated last week because you know it was like the first week of my like off season you know my growing phase and I was expecting to walk into the gym and be like fucking superwoman and be able to lift so so heavy and it just didn't go that way and I was getting really annoyed and I was like am I just shit at this (laughs) and I was like oh I can't I can't train um so I'm feeling much better this week though uh like all my sessions this week have been fucking flying and I am walking into the gym feeling like superwoman so yeah just just took me a few days to get my kind of momentum going again um and then I was also kind of having some sort of struggles with like the scale um which I always think is like helpful to talk about because obviously I'm in a gaining phase now I'm gaining weight but I always find the first week or so of gaining like kind of hard just because I've spent so long seeing the scale weight going down and now it's, it's starting to go the other way and 
it's almost like, oh my God, everything that I've worked so hard for is just like going away. Um, but I will say, and I always remind myself, like, this is the goal right now. The goal is to get heavier. Just because the scale weight's gone up doesn't mean I look worse. And after, like, now I'm, now I'm fine with it. You know, I think it is just always that first, like, week or two. It's just my, my brain is still in diet mode. And I'm trying to kind of remind myself consistently that, like, this is the goal now. And obviously there's a lot of factors that go into the scale weight going up. Like, I'm eating more food. I'm training again. I have certain things in place now um you know obviously being assisted that um are going to impact like that scale weight um and I just have to remind myself that like it's it needs to go up and it's not a bad thing um so I just thought it'd be helpful to talk about that because I know it's something that some of my clients struggle with they're just uh, girls struggle with in general and like I'm obviously very much big on building muscle and gaining strength and most of the time I can embrace the scale weight going up but I still myself have these little these little wobbles sometimes but I I know that I have to push through them if I want to get to where I want to be, you know, and I have so much, (laughs) so much muscle to grow, so much muscle to grow. Oh my God, it's terrifying. Like, it's actually scary. Um, Not scary, but like sometimes when I look at the top wellness girls, I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is going to take me a while. Um, And like 80% of the time, I'm very motivated by that and like I'm like yes I have so far to go how fun is that and then like 20% of the time I get really really psyched out by it and I'm like oh my god I can't do this Um, and I think that that's like a happy medium for me like I don't think I don't want to just be like like all the time positively motivated I do think you have to have a little bit of negative motivation there as well of like oh fuck can I really do this so you know these next 18 months of growing are just about proving to myself that I fucking can um but anyway that's a little ramble on me a little update on me I did actually go out for food at the weekend which was obviously nice because I haven't really had a meal out I mean not since <laughs> not since May which isn't that far away um when I was at movement in Detroit but it's been ages and I have to say the meal out was so fucking disappointing like I was actually devastated because obviously it's your first meal out in ages and you're so excited for it and I wanted to get some Asian food I love like dim sum I love gyozas love like bao buns and stuff like that so anyway went to this restaurant and here's a problem about like living in a new country like you don't really know like where's where's that good so everywhere you go and it's the first time you're kind of taking a risk and anyway so we walked into this like little fucking Chinese restaurant Asian restaurant there was nobody there which probably should have been a red flag but to be fair it was like 5 p.m because we were going to see Oppenheimer at like half six so we had to go for an early dinner anyway there's just like old Asian woman working there which nothing against her but like first of all I was like, wanted to order bao buns from the dim sum menu. And she was like, if you want to order those, you have to order five different things from the dim sum menu. And I was like, I don't want five different things. Like, I just want the fucking bao buns. But anyway, I wanted those bao buns. Like, they were on my mind. I was not not having them. So I was like, fine, we'll just order other stuff. And then the woman started giving out, just being like, that's too much food. That's too much food. And I was like, you're making me order it. And every single time she came to the to the table to give us our food, she was giving out that we had ordered too much food. And then they brought everything out at the same time because obviously I ordered like, you know, a few little dim sum and then like a main course. Brought the main course out first and then all the dim sum. So I was rushing the meal because I didn't want anything to go cold. And it was just, it was a mess. It was such a bad experience. She was making me feel so guilty. And I was like, you're the one who's made me order all this food. So yeah. And like we had to order disgusting, like we ordered some stuff that was just 
just disgusting. Like, ugh, like, ah. So that was a bit disappointing. So I'm looking forward to hopefully having some nice meals out over the next little while. Um, because I love going out for food, but there's nothing worse than when you go out for food and it's just not nice. And that was just not a fun experience. So anyway, that's that. Um, although my brother, my, so my, my brother's wedding's next week and his fiance is like, Italian um well she's Canadian Italian and so they were telling me about all the food that they have like for the for the wedding they have like fresh focaccia and pasta and they've got the main course and they've got a dessert table so I was like right I'll I'll probably eat good there um but yeah I love going out for food so when it's disappointing it's just it's the worst anyway then I went to see Oppenheimer it was great going to see Barbie tonight which is fun okay I think that's everything you need to know about me Jesus eight minutes talking about myself here we go. Okay, anyway, let's get into today's episode. So obviously, last week's episode, I discussed, you know, what actually builds muscle. You know, I talked a lot about like muscle fibers, how those muscle fibers contract to produce force. I talked about the concept of effective reps in training, you know, training close to failure. How much volume do we need? You know, I kind of covered a lot about like what actually happens in the gym and that actual stimulus of resistance training and how that works to cause muscle protein synthesis to occur and like how we build muscle so today is like part two it's kind of i'm calling it like recovery and fatigue or fatigue and recovery is probably called i don't know whatever but basically talking about the other side of the coin so that is the recovery process you know so how do we recover adapt and essentially grow in between those bouts of resistance training where we're stimulating the muscle you know so i'm also going to touch on a little bit about like how we manage fatigue so that we keep performing at our best because it's not enough to just train hard, okay? Like you need to also pay attention to what you do outside the gym if you want to optimize your muscle building, like if you want to grow, you know, a really good phrase to keep in mind is you can only train as hard as you can recover, okay? So if you want to keep training hard, you, you got to recover harder, okay? So before I dive in, as always, as always, if you like the show, if you like me, if you think I'm funny, I'm probably not, <laughs> but if you think I provide some semblance of value, whether that's um, learning, education, entertainment, laughs then don't forget to rate review and subscribe to my podcast thank you and also don't forget to share it on your stories um because yeah that would mean the world um so what is recovery what is it so recovery is one of those kind of words that you probably have like a vague idea of what it means but it can be a bit hard to actually define you know but i am going to define it for you especially with regards to resistance training obviously like the word recovery you can use that in so many different contexts but i'm obviously talking about recovery from resistance training so that you can grow and build muscle perform well so for the purposes of this podcast, the definition of recovery is that it's our ability to adapt to a training stimulus so that we can perform at a higher level in subsequent sessions, okay? So obviously the goal of training is to overload our muscles with mechanical tension and overload them with more and more tension over time. And this overload is a stress on the body, right? So it kind of, it disrupts homeostasis. And homeostasis is essentially these, this idea that our body wants to stay the same. You know, it wants to stay the same temperature, stay the same weight, stay the same, uh, stay within the same fluid balance, all of these kind of different things. And so when we train and we place that overload on the body, we disrupt that, okay? We, we push ourselves away from homeostasis. And so our body wants to come back to homeostasis. So, you know, we are exposing our body to that high overload stimulus and that's basically just like we're lifting heavier we're lift we're doing more reps you know that kind of an idea and so we have to produce an adaptation 
in response to that so that the next time we experience that same training stress we're adapted okay so that's basically what I covered in the last episode you know you go in you lift whatever 100 kilos for 10 reps your body adapts so that the next time it has to lift 100 kilos for 10 reps it's a little bit easier and so the reason that we need to progressively overload is that we never arrive at that point where it's easy we're always challenging ourselves more and more and more Okay, so that adaptation in response to resistance training, as that comes about over time, that is the process of building muscle. I I kind of fucked that one up there. What I meant to say is how we adapt to that resistance is we build muscle, we get bigger, we get stronger. That's what that adaptation is. Okay, now it's important to note there are other ways we adapt. So one of those is like neurologically. So this is very much so how our strength adapts. You know, our nervous system becomes more efficient at that lift or that movement pattern or that training. Okay, so that does also occur. And what I will say is like as you're beginning a program, if you're starting and learning new exercises and stuff, a lot of the adaptations you're actually going to experience in the first like few weeks um, and as your strength increases there is going to be that kind of neuro, neuro, neurological nervous system adaptation and then once your nervous system is very much adapted to that like lift or pattern then the adaptations that come about will be more so from building muscle muscle protein synthesis um, and kind of stuff like that so again when we resistance train we're gonna induce fatigue then in our muscles, in our tissues, in our nervous system. And so fatigue, I suppose, can kind of be defined as the reduction in our ability to perform well. So it's almost like the opposite of recovery. So recovery is an improvement in our ability to perform in subsequent sessions. Fatigue reduces our ability to perform well. And that means, you know, the next time we go into the gym, we won't be able to overload or we'll be weaker. Okay. So if we're recovering well, We go into the gym, we perform at the same level or a higher level than in the session that we did the last time. So, you know, generally when we look at kind of fatigue after a training session, um, after the workout, like that fatigue is really high. Okay. So you go in, you train to like high intensity, you lift really, really heavy weights, you generate a lot of fatigue. That fatigue is high. And so your performance is then worse you know if you try to do that session again immediately like straight away you're not going to be able to do it okay because you're carrying too much fatigue over the next kind of whatever 24 48 hours that fatigue goes away it dissipates and we begin to adapt and that's when our performance increases and so over time we're then performing at higher and higher levels so if you're adapting well your performance goes up if you're not adapting well, your performance goes down. And this is why we need to progressively overload because if we're not continually doing more and more and exposing ourselves to more and more, we're not going to be continually driving this process of adaptation. You have to give your body a reason to adapt. If you do the same thing every single week for the same reps, the same weight, your body's going to be like, this isn't hard. I don't need, there's nothing for me to adapt to. And so you're not going to be building muscle. And so that's why your training should never get easier. It should never feel easier. A, a, a max lift should always feel like a max lift okay like I tell you now the first time I lifted 100 kilos or deadlifted 100 kilos it felt just as hard as the first time I deadlifted 120 kilos 140 kilos like it's always difficult because it's always challenging for you in that moment okay and so there is like a sweet spot for how much fatigue we want to be carrying and how much we want to expose ourselves to so If our training is too easy, and like I said, there's fuck all overload, we're not going to be adapting. We don't need to recover. What are we recovering from? Fucking nothing. If we train too hard and we expose our body to too much, and you can train too hard. I know 
Now, I will caveat this. Most people don't. <laughs> Most people are not training too hard. But but you might be. And if you are training too hard or you are training too much, it's going to take you so long to adapt that you won't recover in time for the next session. And so in the next session, your performance is going to be worse. And so if your performance is continually getting worse and worse, you're not overloading you're not going to be making gains. You're not going to be building muscle. And so the, the sweet spot for progressive overload is kind of in the, mis- in the middle there. Like if we're wanting to build muscle, we have to be somewhere in between these two states. So we're exposing our body to the right amount of overload. We're adapting. We optimize recovery. We repeat. The more that we do this and the longer we can do this for, the more gains we're going to make, the bigger we're going to be, the more jacked we're going to be, okay? And that's obviously the fucking goal here. We want to be massive, okay? We're getting wham. We're getting wham this winter. Write that down, okay? So obviously fatigue, I've, I've mentioned that like a bit. So I want to just define it like a bit more um, in a bit more depth. I know I kind of mentioned it's like the reduction in our ability to perform well, but there's like a few kind of other things to mention about it. So like, I think when, when most people hear the word fatigue, they're thinking it's like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. But in relation to training and recovery and like building muscle, it's like I said, the reduction in our capacity to produce better performance, which basically just means lifting more, being stronger in subsequent sessions. And there's quite a lot of factors that are going to go into how fatigued or recovered we are after our training. Uh, it's not just like you using too much weight or too much volume um there's a few different things that go into it and obviously that's kind of what this entire episode is about is like how you know how can we optimize recovery and everything I say to like optimize recovery if we're not doing those things we're going to be more fatigued you know so the the two kind of go hand in hand so the main thing that drives fatigue is training okay like it's the training itself so obviously here we're looking at like how much volume you're doing so I know I mentioned that kind of briefly in the last episodes um, and by volume I mean hard working sets now there's different ways that you can define volume some people define it as like weight times reps times load um so that it might be like kind of like say you're doing 100 kilos for what no weight times reps times load is not right weight times reps times sets so say you're doing 100 kilos for 10 reps for 10 sets that would be like 10,000 um oh what's the unit I can't think of it 10,000 kilos per fucking I don't know <laughs> I should have looked that one up look you have to admit when you don't know things I'm not gonna bullshit you I just can't remember it's like metric tons fucking who knows <laughs> people are probably listening to this like this girl is so stupid um so funny actually so this is a caveat not a caveat this is a complete um tangent I was doing a check-in with one of my clients the other day um she's on prep and I upped her cardio I added like two 20 minute sessions across the week. So I was like, okay, so you need to like fit those in across the week now for the rest of the week. And I was trying to do the maths during the check-in video. And I was like, so you need to do an extra 80 minutes this week. And she was like, what? (laughs) And I was like, no, an extra 40 minutes. And it was just funny. So yeah, sometimes I am dumb. (laughs) Sometimes. Anyway, sorry. That's uh, that's an aside. So how much volume you're doing across the week? Uh, I take that to mean how many hard working sets you're doing. So we're not including warm up sets or feeder sets. How many working hard working sets you're doing? So we know from the research, like around like eight to fifteen or ten to twenty, you know that kind of spot. Working sets per week per muscle group is like the sweet spot. So like if you're doing like thirty sets of glutes a week, right? Like you could be digging yourself a massive hole of fatigue. And I used to be that person. I used to do like four to five sets of everything 
fucking I have no idea how like if I have to do three sets on an exercise now I'm literally like fuck this <laughs> I'm a two set gal now there's nothing wrong with three sets or two sets or whatever like a lot of a lot of um what kind of dictates how many sets you do is actually your intensity and that's kind of the next thing is like how much your intensity matters so like 10 sets to absolute fucking failure and beyond is going to drive a lot of fatigue way more fatigue than 10 sets with like six reps in the tank you know what I mean like because again, it's those effective reps. The more and more effective those reps are getting, the closer and closer they get to failure. Yes, the more effective they are for stimulating muscle, but the more fatigue that they are going to drive. And so that's why you can't do like massive high volume, massive high intensity, because you're just going to drive so much fatigue that you're not going to be able to perform as well um, in kind of subsequent sessions or even just in subsequent sets. Like I could not do four sets to failure because like that fourth that third fourth set like they're not going to be the same as the first and second the quality won't be the same you know and again this this a lot of this comes down to like experience level and like your ability to take sets there like and that's why if I have clients who are newer to training or I can see from their videos that they can't really train close to failure they're getting three or four sets you know and that's just to make sure they're accruing enough volume um, or enough kind of effective reps Anyway, frequency also matters and this can also impact fatigue. So if you're hitting muscle groups more frequently across the week, so like if you're doing two leg days instead of one, that might mean that you actually are doing less total volume in a single session and that can allow for less fatigue, better recovery, you know, and so obviously even just listening to this, hopefully you can see like there's a lot that goes into programming, um, especially to ensure that your recovery is on point. And this is why everyone, like every individual has their own capacity to manage fatigue and recovery. A lot of that's going to come down to what I discuss in this, in this, in this video, in this episode, um, as well as genetics genetics massively dictate this some people are freaks and can just train like so much they're probably pro bodybuilders to be fair um but also training experience you know even your background if you're someone who did a lot of sports growing up you might actually have a better ability to tolerate more volume higher frequencies and stuff like that but what you do outside the gym also has a huge impact on the fatigue that you kind of build up inside the gym so various lifestyle factors are going to play a role so even just things like your daily activity levels. You know, if you're someone who has a really highly active or demanding job, you know, like say you're someone who like works on a building site or you're, I don't know, someone who's doing like 30,000 30, steps a day just from your, from your job, you might not be able to recover as well as someone with a more sedentary job. Okay. Um, and this is why like, say if you're, I, I don't like to use the word normal person in like a derogatory way. I mean, as in just like, if you're just like a a human with like a normal life, a normal job, you can't really compare like your training and what you can do to somebody who does it for a living. So like, for example, a fitness influencer and all they do is go to the gym or someone like me, I'm a bodybuilder. I work from home. I'm a coach. My entire days are crafted around training. So like I can probably recover really well and maybe train differently to somebody who has like a nine to five or kids to look after or, you know, just like way more stuff going on, you know? Again, other things that can impact this is like poor stress, poor nutrition. If you're not eating well, if you're not eating enough calories, you're not getting enough nutrients. If you're if your mental stress is really, really high, say you're going through a really, really stressful period in work or you're going through something stressful in your personal life, like a breakup, a divorce, um, sickness, illness, these things like the use of drugs, alcohol, these will all increase your fatigue and diminish your recovery. Okay. And so this is why we need to be looking at all of these things in order to ensure that we're optimizing our recovery. And we need to understand that if some of these um, things we're experiencing, like life stressors are kind of things we cannot 
get rid of that it might mean that our training like volume has to go down okay or we need to just you know do a little bit less in the gym because we can't recover from as much okay and there's different types of fatigue as well so fatigue can be acute and that's that that's basically where it affects you like during and immediately after your training so like you have like you know your 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 quads get sore or a little bit tired by the end of a session you know um it's just like that kind of momentary tiredness I suppose within the muscle or it can be chronic and this is where it accumulates over days and weeks and it lasts a lot longer so um that's kind of the the fatigue that we're sort of looking at here in terms of like when to know how to take deloads or if your recovery is is on point or if it's not you're going to be carrying more chronic fatigue it can then also be peripheral or local um, and that means that it affects the actual muscle at work so again you do a hundred bicep curls, your bicep gets sore. That's that's local fatigue, or it's systemic or central, and that's basically when, uh, like the COVID, that is basically the culmination of all the fatigue in the body affecting your central nervous system. So, like, if you've ever kind of been like training hard for a few weeks and you just feel fucking mashed, like you feel like a mashed potato, that's that's central nervous system fatigue, okay? Um, and so if we're carrying a lot of fatigue, you know, our, our speed, our power, our strength, our ability to coordinate, you know, movement patterns is going to be a bit diminished. You know, we might see regressions um, in our training. It can also impact like how effectively we're building muscle. So like a lot of the anabolic processes within our cells can be negatively impacted if we're carrying too much fatigue. So like our muscle protein synthesis stimulation can go down and then also catabolic processes, which is basically breaking down muscle tissue and um, so muscle protein breakdown that can also be increased so that puts us in a position where we're not really building muscle as effectively as we we could be if we're recovering well we might also be more susceptible to injury to illness um and that's not going to be very good for our performance either so how do you know if you're carrying like high fatigue so obviously a lot of the symptoms that i've just listed are going to be a high indicator you know your training is going to feel like just really really hard your performance and strength, you know, can diminish. You might not be getting a good pump in the gym. Your motivation and your actual like desire to go to the gym can be a bit lower. Um, you know, you might be moody, irritable. Your appetite, your digestion might be off. Your sleep can be fucked. And that's a bit of a catch-22 because then that can drive even more fatigue. And I'm going to talk about sleep towards the end. You know, you might feel injured, stiff, um, even things like, you know, if you're really, really fatigued, that can impact your hormonal health. So again, even things like your libido, your menstrual cycle might be might be affected there. You might get colds, you know, pick up little sniffles and stuff like that. Now, one of the main ways to know if we're assessing or if we're carrying too much fatigue is actually just looking at your logbook. So the numbers don't lie. You know, if you're like the aim is obviously to be, to be progressing our lifts week on week as much as possible. Like we're not going to be able to do that every single week, you know, like that's just not possible. But if we're recovered, we should be adding weights reps from kind of, you know, every two to three weeks at least and if we find that multiple lifts are starting to stall um, or even regress that's a sign that maybe we are not recovering okay so there's a lot that will kind of crop up another one um and I it was um my my coach AJ my old coach AJ uh, I remember he said this once was like music hits different or it doesn't hit as well when you're when you need a deload and I remember thinking that is so true like I uh, like if I need a deload I'll go into the gym and like I have my I have my my music that I that I kind of rely on when I'm a bit less motivated you know usually like you know rap (laughs) but 
when I need really need a deload, it doesn't matter what music I listen to, it just doesn't get me going the same way. Um, so that's also a sign, just like a little random sign. I think like people tend to have their own signs of like when they need a deload. Like I know for me, like I get um a niggle in my right shoulder it just starts to crop up um I also just my motivation just tanks I'm just like I don't want to be here I can't be fucked um so those are kind of like my, my sort of telltale signs now something to really note here um that's really important because you might be listening to this being like oh my god okay so I need to avoid all of these things and that's not the case right you don't need to avoid all of these symptoms all the time and like here's the reality if you are training with the intention of getting as strong as you can and building as much muscle as you can, you know, trying to change your body, you are going to feel these signs of fatigue by the end of your training block. And you will probably have to spend a week or two or maybe even three kind of feeling like this. You know, you have to remember, you have to remember building muscle is not something your body wants to do. Unfortunately, it doesn't want to be jacked because it's very energetically costly to have more muscle tissue, okay? And so if you want to grow, you're going to have to push yourself really fucking hard. Your training is going to be hard and your fatigue is going to creep up, okay? It's going to happen. So don't look at it as like a really negative thing. If anything, we should sort of be chasing this state every so often. Again, if you're feeling this way all the time, that's a sign that your recovery modalities are fucked or your training volume's way too high. But by the end of your training block, you're going to feel this way, okay? So the aim is we get to this point before it gets too high and then we pull back and then we go again. Okay, so we don't want to spend all our time here. You know, again, if we're getting here two weeks into a training block, something's wrong. Something is wrong with your your recovery or your training or your programming. But we are going to reach this point eventually. Okay, so how do we optimize our recovery from training? You know, that's kind of the big question is like, okay, I'm going to reach this point eventually, but Ideally, I don't want to reach it too quickly. What can I do outside of the gym to ensure that my work in the gym is productive and that I am able to continue training hard? Okay, so our main strategies for optimizing recovery are going to be managing our our training volume and our intensity, which I've kind of discussed a little bit before, um, but I'll chat a little bit more about it now different kind of passive recovery strategies so like your sleep your stress management your your lifestyle your nutrition as well that's another one um active kind of recovery strategies so like deloads devolumes and then you can also kind of put like rehab modalities in here so like cold heat massage like i'm not going to talk about those things really because i don't think they're necessary um if you want to do them, like, don't get me wrong, I like going for the odd kind of deep tissue. I say I like, it's horrific. It's a horrific experience. But, you know, I kind of, I'm like, oh, okay, this feels, I feel better afterwards. But it's not necessary and it's expensive, okay? Like, it is expensive. So those things are not necessary. Like, there's no point doing a cold plunge if you're not sleeping well. There's no point paying $200 for fucking, uh, like, deep tissue if you don't eat enough protein. You know what I mean? Like, Think of these things as like a bit of a pyramid. Those rehab modalities, like, you, you know, your massage and stuff there at the top. Everything else is way more important. So training volume then. So like I've discussed this a lot already. And again, it's basically how many hard sets you do a week. And like I said, there's a sweet spot for how much we can tolerate, you know. But the, the from the research, we know it's about like, t- we'll say 10 to 20 muscle groups, muscle groups, <laughs> 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. And look, you could listen to literal hours of podcasts about training volume like I know I have I have listened to so much from so many people like good people to kind of listen to like 
Dr. Mike Isertel, he's like a, a kind of a, a leading expert on this, I suppose you could say. And um, there's loads of episodes on the Revive Stronger podcast about it. Iron Culture, 3DMJ, like there's just so many. And like, honestly, you could lose your mind listening to podcasts about this. Like I, I know I have, <laughs> but the key things to know, the key things to know are more volume, more sets is going to drive more hypertrophy up to a point, okay, so it's like an inverted U, okay, so you start at the bottom, you get a little bit of hypertrophy from a little bit of volume, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up, then it starts to come down, so if you do too much, you're not going to grow because you're generating too much fatigue and you're not recovering, so that's the point of diminishing returns, okay, so you don't want to get there, this is what happens if you do too much volume, you just do a lot of junk volume, you generate loads of fatigue and you don't recover and you don't grow, and again, like I said, I used to do so much volume like literally four to five sets for every exercise so many glue exercises and like I just wasn't growing like my canes were shite and it's because I couldn't train with enough intensity for all those sets so like like I said I do two sets for pretty much every exercise and I think that that's plenty you know and volume is a function of intensity so higher intensity you're gonna need less volume to accrue enough effective reps and stimulus for growth okay And how much volume you need depends on so many different factors. A lot of what I'm going to cover now in the next few parts, um, you know, and again, like I said, genetics, background, um, females, females tend to be able to recover from slightly higher volumes than men because we are better than men. (laughs) Uh, No, it's more so to do with our hormonal um, state, but we are also better than men. Let's be fucking real. Um, But still, you know, there's, there's just a lot that goes into this. And this is why I like trying to discuss every single factor that goes into how much volume you need in a podcast could take ages. But the best, the best way to know if you're doing the right amount of volume, you yourself, ask yourself this question, am I getting bigger and stronger over time? Okay, that's it. If the answer is yes, then you're probably doing the right amount of volume, okay? Maybe you could experiment and add a little bit more and see, like if you continue being able to recover well, then great, you could probably could probably keep at that higher volume. If you add more and you're then suddenly you're not not getting stronger, then then you're then that's too much. Okay? So, you know, and again, if you're not getting bigger and stronger, then you're either doing too much or too little, and this is where you have to experiment again. Babes, I will say this time and time again, when it comes to fitness, so much of it is like trial and error or my new favorite phrase fuck around and find out just try it just see just try it and see there's no other way to do it it's the same see when people are like oh how many calories do i need i'm like just try it just try an amount and see see what happens i don't know who the fuck knows nobody um there's no way to know until you try so again you could either do too much you could either be doing too much or doing too little and so then you just need to like add add more sets or take more sets away and then you'll know and then you'll have your answer and um, so like if you take away sets and then you can find you find that you're making more progress then great you're getting closer to where you want to be so my personal approach when it comes to like training volume and like programming is I like to keep the number of sets the same and I just progress load and reps across a training block to drive more and more stimulus now this is not the only way to do it it's not the only way to do it I know plenty of people who train with kind of like an escalating volume approach. So they'll start their program doing two sets and by the end they're doing four or five sets and they enjoy it and it works for them and that's great. I don't like doing that. I don't like the idea of my sessions taking longer and longer every single week. I want to go in knowing this session takes me about an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. To be fair, my sessions do take me long. Like my sessions already take me so long. If I was trying to do five sets per exercise, I I would be in there for half the day. Um, But like you can do that if you want. It's like, here's the thing. 
There's so many ways to build muscle. There's so many ways to program. And the main thing when it comes to programming is you need to do something that you enjoy. Okay, if you don't enjoy training to failure, then you're probably not going to do well with a program where you do two sets to failure. It's probably not going to, you're not going to get there. So you should probably do more volume and a little bit lower intensity. And that's fine. Again, like it's grand. Like, babes, do what you fucking want. I don't care. <laughs> but um, that, that's just how I do it. I like to keep volume static and I like to drive up stimulus across the block with more load, more reps. Okay. And so as we progress through that kind of training block or mesocycle, mesocycle I should say which is just fancy word for training block we are going to accumulate more and more fatigue because we're driving more and more stimulus and that's going to drive adaptations and more and more strength and muscle growth but what happens when we get to that point where we are so fucked and we're carrying so much fatigue and we can't progress anymore what do we do well we take a deload okay so deloads 101 what are deloads and how do we take them so Thing is, obviously, we literally, like, we literally cannot just keep training progressively forever. Like, it's just, it's not possible. You know, you can't just add load and add reps to all of your lifts forever and ever. If that was the case, I would be deadlifting 700 kilos, and I'm obviously not, okay? So eventually, we're going to run into a wall where we're just carrying so much fatigue, and our training just becomes unproductive, okay? And we stop making progress. And this is the point in a training block at which we will deload. So a deload is essentially a period, it maybe like 5 to 14 days, however long, of reduced training volume. And the goal is that it allows us to drop fatigue, heal injuries if we have them, you know, get rid of any kind of little niggles, injuries, and get ready for the next training block. So the kind of analogy I like to use here is like a bow and arrow. So if you want to shoot an arrow forward, the first thing you have to do is pull that bow back. Okay. And it's the same here. We pull back so that we can start progressing forward again. And, you know, we have to give our body that break every so often. And how often you do this is going to depend on like a lot of different factors. Again, your training age, your strength, your intensity, if you're dieting, if you're gaining, if you've got more life stresses going on, these things are going to affect how often you need to take deloads. Okay. I personally like to deload on a reactive basis. So by that, I mean, I take one when I need one. If I start seeing these signs creep in, my motivation to train is shit. I'm uh, not progressing. I just, I'm feeling crappy. I get niggles, you know, my shoulder starts acting up. I'll take a deload. I prefer that versus a proactive basis. And proactive is basically where people will write programs and it's like, okay, every six weeks, regardless, you deload. Whether that's a week too early or a week too late, it's it's every six weeks. Again, different people have different opinions. There's plenty of really, really smart people who do it that way. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. They can do what they want. I I find it to be more effective to just be reactive because we're all unique. And at certain periods in our lives, we might need to pull back earlier or later within a training block. And this is essentially what auto-regulation is. And auto-regulation is just adjusting training variables based on how you feel on the day or at the time. Like that's it. It's just, it's, it's a fancy word, but it doesn't mean anything that fancy. It's like, how do I feel? Eh, I feel fucked. I should probably not train. That's kind of it. Um, so by the end of that deload period, we should be feeling like really refreshed physically, mentally, we should be buzzing to get back into the gym. Okay. Our fatigue should be gone and we are, should be really ready and motivated to push into that next training block. Okay. Like if you get to the end of your deload and you're still not feeling great, then you probably need to deload longer or take more rest, you know? And so there's different ways to deload from training. And so I will discuss those all now. So the first method is just taking time off the gym. So you can kind of take five to seven days of complete rest 
obviously this gets you to fully wash off all that fatigue it's a nice mental break too um and it usually gets you feeling really motivated to train by the end because we as humans love what we 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 miss what we don't have you know and so when when something's taken away like the gym you start to be like oh my god i missed the gym you know and so this approach really suits people who don't like the idea of going in and doing lighter or less intense sessions and would rather just take the full rest i fall into that camp like I hate going in and doing deload sessions or devolume sessions. I I don't like it because I just feel like I'm not training hard um, and I would just rather take the few days off. I like having those few days off to just focus on work, be productive. And that's just my preferred method. This is usually what I do with clients, to be honest, especially if they're going on holidays or they have life events, you know, I'll just slot those deloads in around those life events um, and it just kind of makes sense or if they've got like a really busy time at work they're like oh I've, I'm, I know I'm going to be working really late or I've got really long days at the end of this quarter I'm like right we'll just take a deload then that makes the most sense I especially like these types of deloads during like gaining phases um just because it can kind of sometimes be a chance to take calories down slightly to like maintenance or a slight surplus if your calories are on the excessively high end, you know, during a building phase, gives your GI a bit of a break. Like this isn't necessary. You don't have to do this, but this is my preferred method when I am in a building phase is just take those few days off, usually because like my training intensity is so high that I kind of feel like I need those few days off. So then we could also do like a devolume week or a deload week. And this is basically where you like reduce the number of sets you're doing by around half um and 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 you can reduce the intensity so you could train with like 60% of what you normally work with or you can still use the same loads um you might just go in and match say like one set that you did the previous week you know so for example you might just match all of your back off sets and take no like grinder 50 50 reps obviously the whole point is that you're kind of getting rid of fatigue so you don't want to go in and, and you know you can still accrue fatigue from one set so the idea the idea would be you go in you do one set match what you did the previous week and then that's it you know and the idea here is that it helps you maintain that strength and um, but reduces the total volume so remember what i said at the very start of the episode where i was saying how like my strength last week was shite because i took five to seven days off well if you do a devolume week you don't really run into this issue because your nervous system and your neurological adaptations kind of remain in place and so that is one advantage I like these, I like doing these during a diet and that's just psychologically because I don't, I like to feel like I'm still doing some sort of work, you know, and also to be honest, the main reason I don't like doing deloads, like deload weeks where I take complete rest is I don't want to do five to seven days in a row of rest day food usually. <laughs> you know whereas I don't mind doing that when my calories are higher um you can also do this if you're starting a new program so it can act as a bit of an intro week to the program and if you're carrying quite high fatigue you could just add like an extra one to two rest days before or after your devolume week just to make sure that you are going back into the next training block fully rested ready to go and ready to kind of smash it sometimes you might not need a full deload but you could just take like an extra one to two days rest if like your acute fatigue is high so for example if you've had a shitty night's sleep or your food has been off maybe you've been a little bit sick you're really really stressed from like work or maybe you've been out you've had a night out you might um do like a devolume or a low volume session or take an extra one to two days rest again this is kind of that auto regulation thing of like knowing okay I, I i don't have it in me to give it everything in this session but i don't want to take it take full rest or take a deload so you can still keep those loads and intensities the same but you can just do kind of maybe your back off set so the only thing is if you're finding you need to do this every few weeks it's probably a sign that your training volume is too high or your recovery is not in, in, in a good place and your program should be reassessed 
Okay, so now let's quickly run through the other variables that matter outside of like training, training volume, deloads, etc. for recovery. I'm going to be quite quick with these ones because these are all topics I've discussed at length in other podcast episodes. So you don't need to hear me do like another three hours on these. But the first one is nutrition. Okay, nutrition is obviously huge for recovery. Like the food we eat is literally going to be giving our body the energy it needs for the recovery process. Okay, it provides those energy substrates for all the processes in the body and all the the raw materials to kind of you know rebuild you know those different damaged components from training it's providing us with the amino acids to start muscle protein synthesis it's providing us with the carbohydrates to provide us um, or to replenish glycogen the fatty acids to be the backbones for things like hormones which are important for our recovery so again food is so important here okay and i don't want to spend ages talking about this again if you want to learn more about my personal philosophy to nutrition i believe you can go back and listen to episode two i think i think it was episode two where i talk about like my 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 kind of core core principles not my core principles but the core principles of nutrition and kind of like my personal philosophy but basically the cliff notes version is eat enough protein like i'm sorry but if you're just not eating enough protein baby girl that's that's the big thing that you need to worry about. So around a gram per pound of body weight per day, spread that out every three to four hours, okay? Have 25 grams plus of protein in a meal. This is the minimum amount we need to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, which is obviously the goal. You know, we're adapting to training by doing what? Building muscle. How do we build muscle? Muscle protein synthesis. How do we start muscle protein synthesis? We eat 25 grams plus of protein, okay? So do that. Have protein pre-workout and post-workout to make sure that you have amino acids in the bloodstream before you start training and amino acids in the um, bloodstream afterwards. Do you need to eat immediately post-workout? No, no. Okay, you can wait like an hour. It's not going to kill you, especially if you have a pre-workout pre-workout meal that has enough protein eat carbs pre and post training probably just going to be good for your performance and then also helping with the recovery process of replenishing glycogen. If you're training fasted, I would recommend using an an essential amino acid supplement because then you're not going into the session in an amino acid depleted state, okay? So just making sure that you're kind of going in with some form of amino acids in the bloodstream is probably a good idea. Eat fucking fruits and veggies because like one, you're just an adult. You're an adult. Eat fruits and veggies, (laughs) okay? But also they contain the micronutrients that you need to optimize your health and your energy levels. You know, think about it like, the recovery process is is basically all of those different cells doing work, okay? All of the enzymes within those cells require different cofactors. Those cofactors are usually vitamins and minerals, okay? So where do we get those? Fruits and veggies. So eat your fucking fruits and veggies. <laughs> I will die on this hill. Anyway, um, and aside from that, eat good quality fats because again, they're important for your hormonal health. Like they're the backbones of things like testosterone and estrogen and they promote recovery, Okay. We also need to consider hydration within nutrition. Just drink enough water. Like if you're drinking less than two liters of water a day, I don't know what to say to you other than your poor fucking kidneys. Sort that out. (laughs) If you're training hard, I really think you should be having around four to five liters of water a day. Like I drink like seven or eight liters of water a day. And if you even think about saying that's not good for you, I, I genuinely don't know what to say. It's fine. Do I look like I'm dying? No. Like, I'm not saying you need to drink that much water, but my body is adapted to that, okay? But like, I will literally, like, people who full on, like, don't eat vegetables, don't move, and drink fucking coffee for all of their liquid intake will look at me barefaced in the eye, be like, that's too much water, that's not good for you. Really? 
you really want to tell me that that's not good for me, Susan? Really? Anyway, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting a bit feisty. Anyway, okay, so drink water. (laughs) Drink your water. Make sure you're going into your sessions. Well hydrated. We want to be well hydrated queens. And then also like salt and electrolytes comes into hydration. So just make sure you're salting your meals. Again, if you think that putting salt in your meals is like unhealthy, I know. Okay. Salt is so important. All nerve conduction relies on sodium ions. Okay. Muscle contraction relies on, on on sodium ions and potassium ions. Potassium is also really important. So you want to be salting your meals with like like sea salt or <laughs> I like pink Himalayan salt. I know that there's no difference between that and other salt. I just think it's better. And that's just like there, there's no there's no reason for that. I just prefer it. Okay, but also potassium. So um, you get potassium from a lot of different foods. Bananas are quite high in potassium, but also you can get low salt. So low salt is reduced sodium, higher potassium. So I'll kind of use a two to one ratio of normal salt and potassium or low salt on my meals to make sure I'm getting in enough um, sodium and potassium. Potassium has a role in kind of muscle protein synthesis as well. So just make sure you're salting your meals well and you're drinking enough water. And then we also want to make sure that we're digesting our food well too, right? And I really feel like I should do a whole episode on digestion because so many people have digestive issues. Um, I might see if there's like a guest I can get on to, to talk about it with me because it's important. But basically like, again, Cliff Notes version, chew your fucking food well, okay? Eat slowly, eat mindfully, don't eat in a rush, eat plenty of fruits and veggies, eat your whole grains, okay? Try to not be on your phone or watching things the entire time you're eating, um, manage your stress well. Those are kind of the main ones there. Go on a little walk after your meals to help with digestion, especially if you're eating a lot in a surplus, going on a little short walk after your meals can really, really help there. But I will probably do an episode on digestion, maybe. Okay, so lastly, I'm going to talk about sleep and stress. So I have full two, two full episodes on these. So I can't even remember what episode number sleep was, but it's back there somewhere. And stress as well. I have all of those. I'll say what episodes they are down below in the show notes. But like sleep is literally one of our most anabolic tools. Okay. That is when we are recovering and growing the most. So listen to this and listen carefully. If your sleep is shite, your performance in the gym is going to be shite and your gains are going to be shite. Okay. (laughs) So pay attention to it and take active steps towards improving it okay go to bed at the same time every day wake up at the same time every day get some sunlight exposure early on in the day don't drink caffeine after like 1 or 2 p.m don't be on your phone in bed scrolling because that's not going to help you get to sleep have a wind down routine don't have bright lights on in the house at night if you do that you're a fucking weirdo um have a dark cold cool room have a hot chair before bed to bring your core body temperature down there's so much that goes into good sleep so just prioritize it okay take an active approach through your sleep and make sure you're getting like like minimum six and a half hours but really seven to nine okay Aside from that, stress is also key. So remember, higher levels of stress is going to increase higher amounts of sympathetic ner- drive within your central nervous system. And that's going to mean higher fatigue. So we, and that's also good. Here's the thing. If your stress is higher, guess what? Your sleep is going to be worse. Your digestion of food is going to be worse. And so hopefully you can see now like, all of these different recovery modalities, we're not looking at them in isolation. They all impact one another, okay? So if you improve one, you're going to improve others. And then you're going to recover better in general, okay? So that's why you have to make sure you are optimizing these things to get the most out of your training, okay? So make sure you have tools for managing stress. And if you don't have tools for managing stress, one, go back and listen to my stress episode. But two, just make sure you have things you do that like actually help you relax and like bring your nervous system back into that parasympathetic state. So everyone has their own ways of relaxing, right? Like 
I can't tell you what's going to make you feel relaxed. Different hobbies, you know, outside of training, things like playing an instrument or knitting or dancing or anything that just makes you feel calm. Okay, don't doom scroll probably not going to make you feel that relaxed. If you're an extrovert, you know, you might be the person who gets a lot from going out and socializing. That might be your jam. Maybe you're more of an introvert. Maybe you'd rather just chill inside, do nothing on the couch, get lost in your imagination. I don't care. Play with pets, rub a dog, get outside, get out in nature, meditate, yoga, whatever the fuck. Again, no one can tell you what's going to make you feel relaxed, but use your rest days as days to kind of plan these sorts of activities out and they're going to kind of help you switch off and chill out. Okay. So eat well, sleep well, manage your stress. These are like the basics that go into just being a good human, like just being a healthy human. But they also go into optimizing your recovery from training. And that's going to help you be what? Fucking jacked. So again, these are just like little core non-negotiable things. Like I feel like I repeat myself all the time because I'm always talking about how like for every goal that you have, you probably want to be optimizing your nutrition, sleeping well and managing stress. And that's because guess what, guys? They're fucking important. They're important. I don't have any other like there's no other secrets. There's no magic pills. There's nothing else. No potions, no lotions, nothing else that's going to make a difference to your progress in terms of fat loss, muscle gain. These are the basics. And I'm going to just keep talking about them for the next however long I am alive. Okay. I will die on some of these hills. I will. I don't care. Okay. This is what I'm passionate about. (laughs) So anyway, I think that that kind of covers everything. I mean, it doesn't cover everything. Obviously there's other things I could have discussed, but like most people aren't paying enough attention to these things anyway. So you should probably start here and hopefully now you have a better understanding of everything that's going to go into managing fatigue what fatigue is, what recovery is, why it's important in order to build muscle and how you can recover well from training so that you can perform at your best, make hella gains, get hella wham and just be a muscle mommy, okay? Remember, you can only train as hard as you can recover. So prioritize it and take it seriously, okay? I shall leave it there because that's been another, it hasn't been too long, 50 minutes is not too, too long, um... I mean, it's not short. It's not long. Uh, It's not like a Joe Rogan long. So I think that's the main thing. Honestly, side note, like how do people do like five, six hour podcast episodes? Fuck me. I just need to take a wee. I'm sure they do do that. I'm sure they pause and go and take, go to the toilet. But anyway, I'd need to eat a meal. Um, Anyway, that's fucking tangent again. I'm going to leave there. If you would like to, as always, rate the podcast, review the podcast, follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, um, I would love that and I would love you forever. If you want to share it on your stories and tag me, it always makes me so happy whenever people do that. I'm like, oh my God, people are listening to me speak. Ah, Amazing. Okay. And in terms of coaching spaces, I have limited coaching spaces this month. Okay. I'm really, my business mentor is going to give out to me if I take on anybody else. (laughs) but I find it so hard to say no, but I am working on something spicy. Okay. She's coming soon. She's coming soon. And I will leave it at that. So yes, but if you are interested in coaching and you're cool and you're, you want to work, actually fucking work hard. Okay. That's a big one now. Um, luckily I'm in a position where I can pick and choose who I work with. So if you are, want to work hard, especially if you have goals like photo shoot preps, comp preps, but even if you just want to make an amazing lifestyle transformation and look and feel your fucking best and you're ready to put in the work, put in the work, I'm your gal. Okay. So that is it. I will love you. I will leave you. Thank you so much as always for listening, you sexy thing. And I will catch you in the next one. I love you. Bye.